name of Jesus. Amen. If we are only ever looking at ourselves for the solutions to our problems, we will only and ever have more and more problems. Now, I'm no economist, and uh, you know that's no surprise, but I don't know exactly where or how our country is spending trillions of dollars on this, that, or the other thing for relief from this virus disaster. It seems kind of wild to me that the solution to this disaster has been to halt the economy and then spend more money, trillions, which is a number I don't even understand, because uh, I'm a normal guy and I cannot understand just where trillions of dollars come from if no one has been doing anything for a year. It seems to me like it just makes more problems. It's like paying your utility bills with a credit card and then making the minimum payment um, on that, if anything at all. I don't really get it. But, you know, it's just like, insert whatever idiotic thing you do, though, okay? Um, none of it really makes sense, and our solutions aren't really ever that good for anything. Like, how do we treat cancer? Oh, I have a terrible cancer that's going to kill me. Well, I don't actually. But um, you poison the whole entire body then. Like, even the good parts. You just try and kill it all off and hope that the cancer dies before all the rest of it. Like, that's the best shot that we've got. It's wild. If we only look to ourselves for the solutions to our problems, we will always and only have more and more problems. We only ever have incomplete answers from ourselves. Now, if the New Testament era had been 2,000 years later, today, uh, the disciples in today's gospel reading, the feeding of the 5,000, maybe they would have tried to organize a committee to figure out how to feed these 500 hungry people out there in the middle of nowhere. And then once they'd all either starved to death or gone away, they would claim success and see, say, look, we did it. And then you could uh, celebrate this brilliant program and have nice coffee mugs and commemorative t-shirts printed up to celebrate the occasion. Because we're not good at this stuff. We just aren't. Could we solve world hunger? Yeah, I mean, we totally could. Because we're not doing it, though, because I think we're just not really interested in doing it. We have learned this past year that the world somehow has untold trillions of dollars just laying around waiting to fund things that we want to fund. So why don't we? I don't know. My guess is that we don't really want to for some reason. And that might also mean that I might have to sacrifice something. If I'm looking to myself for a good answer to all of these problems or whatever problems we might find, I'm not going to find it. If it is all up to you and to me to figure this stuff out, then we are toast and the world is headed towards sure and certain destruction. But Jesus knows this. He's not surprised. None of this is surprising to him. So we asked them some questions, and I love it. It's beautiful. They don't have any good answers if he's not there. 
Where are we going to find food? Where are we going to buy food to feed all these people? Uh, I don't know if you've run the numbers on this yet, Jesus, but it's not going to work. We don't have it. How much do you have? How are we going to feed all these people out here in the wilderness? There's, there's 5,000 men at least. Now, uh, I've actually heard this sermon. There, and there's, a, there's this idea floating around if you look into the feeding of 5,000 very much. Um, that rejects it as a miracle. But says that the real miracle in the feeding of the 5,000 is not that Jesus actually multiplies bread and loaves, uh, bread and, and the fish, but, but that the real miracle is that the people had all the food with them and then they just actually shared it. They just needed an example. And the little boy served as this example. And, you know, it's kind of a compelling interpretation of the story. But at some point, you do actually have to say uh, that... Yes, the whole entire story of the Bible is that human beings and humanity continues to get stuck in situations that we are absolutely incapable of freeing ourselves from. That is the story of humanity and of history. The story of rise and of fall, of success and of failure and of life and of death. We all, have, we all have some sort of sense of nostalgia, of course. Mine is always for the early 90s. It was the best time that the world has ever seen. Um, but there is no perfect golden age to return to. No. There's no, there's no single perfect golden age to return to because there have been so many of them. And they, they keep happening over and over in different parts of the world, too. But then each and every single one of those perfect golden ages, they all end in one way or another. And in so doing, the Lord causes people to repent and to turn to him. He brings them back to life. I mean, just think, the people out there in the field who have followed Jesus because they know the signs that he's doing, like, they're just thinking that the best time of their life was, oh, you know, maybe yesterday when we weren't starving. That was the best time of my life was just yesterday. Remember that? We were just following Jesus and everything was fine. He's healing the sick all over the place. You remember that? Some of them maybe even were at Cana and they were like, <laughs> yeah, you want to follow this guy. But what is there out there? Ooh, this is awful. Now we're just hungry. They had no idea what was going to come. But how could they have known? What was the solution that they would have come up with on their own to the problem of having thousands of hungry people who are far away from anywhere where you could buy food, but the food that you would have to buy is too expensive and no one even has that sort of money laying around? Well, here's a, here's a boy with five loaves and two fishes. Hmm. Now, I think that you do have to admit that we are helpless and clueless. We are just ambling and stumbling our way through time, through our own lives even. This has been a year since you were first locked out of this church. 
And since then, what has happened? It has been a year like none other, certainly nothing like I can remember, and nothing like anyone else here can really ever remember. It's been a year of the blind leading the blind. Confused and clueless people trying to help other confused and clueless people. Everyone knows what is right, which also means that no one knows what is right. This has been a year that we've seen that your leaders are actually still human beings, even though we've lifted them up, and they can only do and see so much. So on our own, we are completely lost, and we will only dig the hole deeper. How are you going to feed all those people? Jesus asks, and the Greek word actually says, he peroxos, Philip. He tempts Philip. Now, I know why they don't translate it like that, because we think this is a problem. Uh-oh, God tempts no man. Hmm, that's in the catechism. But then John follows it up. He says, well, Jesus, it says, tests him. Jesus tempts Philip because he knew what he was going to do. So we pray in the Lord's Prayer that the Lord would not lead us into temptation, no, but that he would lead us out of temptation. That is what Jesus does here. He provides the solution and the answer to the temptation of despair and anxiety. And what does he tell the people to do first? He tells them to recline. He tells them to sit down. He tells them to lay down, and then there's the little note that there's lots of grass there. And it will be very nice for you to stop worrying, to sit down, lay down, and relax. And then Jesus gives thanks to God. The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we receive through your bountiful goodness. And then, hmm, let's distribute the bread and the fish to all the people, as much as you'd like. And Jesus does not explain how it happens. He just does it. And so the people that thought that yesterday was the best day of their lives are given even something greater on that day. But really, that's what he tells them to do. Sit down, relax. There's lots of grass here. It's, it'll be very nice for you to sit down and lay down. But it sounds like madness. It sounds like absolute insanity. But there it is. Hey, calm down. You are going to be okay so long as Jesus is in charge of things. And the good news is that he is, whether you know it or not. The world has never been saved through panic or through worry. And you will not be saved through panic or through worry either. Fear not. Your God comes with vengeance. Your God fights for you. And this is your Lord. 
The same Lord who drowns the Egyptian slave masters and who feeds the people of Israel in the wilderness. That's your Lord. The Lord that you have followed into the wilderness to hear his teaching and to see the signs, and he will not let you go hungry. No, he won't. Now, you know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, you think, why on earth would they have killed this guy? Why would they crucify this Lord? It's not all that difficult to understand, really, is it? How he ends up there dying on a cross. Thousands of people following someone who they take to be the Messiah and who to be a king. That's not going to end very well for that Messiah king. And Jesus, he is not thrilled about it. But yet he goes. And he goes to the cross as a lamb to the slaughter. Innocent and unresisting. And Jesus goes restful, even. And Jesus is so calm and so peaceful in the face of those people who can and who will nail him to the tree. Notice that Jesus is never angry at the government or the officials there. No. Instead, Jesus does get angry, doesn't he? Jesus gets angry at the people who would rob his people of their Sabbath and their shalom. Jesus gets angry and makes a whip that is meant for the people who rob his people of their rest and peace that's meant to be found in the house of God. That's what this place is for. That's why you've come. That's why you're here. And you're here following Jesus into an unknown wilderness filled with uncertainty. And there is nothing certain but death. Great. Good. Calm down and rest. Sit in the grass and Jesus will figure it out for you. He really will. And he has answered the big question of death. And what's next? Resurrection, of course. That's his answer. Resurrection for the living, for the dying, and for the dead. Resurrection for you. That is what he has baptized you into. And that is what he feeds you with today. So the world will keep flapping and fluttering over and against all sorts of things out there. They will continue to worry, panic. But you sit down with Jesus. Now, Christian worship does not really make sense to those who are outside. It just looks weird. What are they doing in there? It looks like they're just sitting there. Mm. Yes, yes. And why wouldn't you? With a Lord like this, why would you be anywhere else? He has triumphed over death through his gruesome cross and through his glorious resurrection. And who else are we going to follow? 
Where else would you rather be? Sit with them here. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.